Awesome. Good morning, church. So good to see you all. Why don't you go on ahead and get your sermon notes out? We're going to get into the Word of God. But hey, as you do, you can give yourself a pat on the back. Come on, go on ahead and give yourself a pat on the back. Uh, you made it up in your mind that you wasn't going to let anybody or anything stop you from getting to the house this morning. So you owe it to yourself to pat yourself on the back this morning. Amen. Welcome, everybody. Hey, if you're new here or if you're visiting us today for the very first time, we just want to extend a huge welcome to you. You are so welcome here. Thank you for choosing to share your Sunday with us here at Elam Christian Center Manurewa. But also, we are very blessed and honored to have you with us this morning. Uh, today, as Pastor Steve mentioned, we're starting a new sermon series that's called Culture Shift. Everybody say Culture Shift. Say Culture Shift. Amen. So every person who calls himself a believer, a follower of Jesus, a child of God, you are the shift in culture. You walk into rooms filled with negativity and hate and your being there, your presence should bring about uh, love and the peace of God. You walk into spaces where it's filled with despair and hopelessness and your being there, your presence should bring about hope and the love of God. Not because of you, but because of the God in you. And so we ought to live our lives that way. Be able to walk into any room, open our mouth and speak, and the whole room light up with the love of God, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, culture shift. We're living in a time right now where worldly culture, I'm not talking about your ethnicity or your bloodlines or your heritage. I'm talking about patterns, ideas, behaviors, understanding. We live in a time uh, where there are so many dominant cultural narratives that are influencing a lot of the things that we do. Uh, a common word that's used to describe these cultural narratives is being woke. You know, the woke, the woke culture, stay woke fam, you know, all of that stuff. And now as believers, as followers of Jesus, as children of God, our guiding light is not the opinions of people. Our guiding light is not the woke culture. Our guiding light is the word of God. And if we are not grounded, if we don't have a strong foundation, that is the word of God, we're going to end up, you know, tossed about like waves in the wind of different theologies, doctrines and uh, philosophies that come about. Just because it's woke, it doesn't mean it's Bible. And if we don't know our Bible, we're going to end up conforming to the patterns of the world. But you weren't meant to conform. You were meant to, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That sounds like a culture shift to me. And so this morning... I'm going to be talking about a pretty heavy topic, and it's called offense. Uh, in many other parts of the world, they're removing prayer from schools because people are getting offended. They're not teaching about faith or God no more because people are getting offended. In other parts of the world, you know, preachers can't just get up and be like, you know, this is a room full of sinners who have been saved by grace because people are getting offended. Nowadays, this person's hair color is offending that group of people and the way this person dresses or their attire is offending that group of people. And so it's important that we don't allow the culture of the world to influence the way that we respond when offense comes. Uh, and so today, my message is simply titled, Help, I'm Offended. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And right now, God, we bring ourselves under the authority of your word. And I pray, oh God, that you would speak to us. Father, use me as an instrument to minister to your people. Lord, we don't want to hear from Don today. We want to hear from you, God. And so I hide behind the cross this morning. And I pray, God, that as I minister to your people, Lord, that we would have hearts open to hear from you this morning and receive from you. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, offense is like the story of my life, and I'm pretty sure that many of us in this room can uh, relate to that. Oftentimes, you know, we've got that one family member 
who loves to throw out the compliment and then yank it right back in with a bit of shade at the end of it. You know, whenever I go to my mom's house, she's always saying to me, oh, son, you look so good. And then she will yank it in and say, man, look at your stomach. <laughs> you know, last year, we, uh, before we went into lockdown, I, or when we went into lockdown, I started to train with uh, Daniel and we were like training hard and, you know, working out and started eating better. And, uh, you know, I went from 107 kgs down to 85 kgs. I was feeling good. I was, like, healthy. And then I decided I want to go to see my mom straight after the lockdown, and I want to show her I don't have a stomach anymore. And I get there, and the first time she looks at me, and she's like, oh, you poor thing, come here. And I'm so offended by that. I'm like, what do you mean, you poor thing? Like, and I'm offended because I'm feeling like she's implying that I look pretty sick. And so I'm like, help, I'm offended. But the problem is, the big issue here was, I was so hurt because I felt like she was taking a dig at how sick I looked. I was being offended. I felt offended. We've all had a moment where uh, somebody said something that offended us and made us feel unappreciated or insignificant. Other times we actually go looking for the offense and we find exactly what we're looking for. And uh, we've misheard something, we've misinterpreted something and instead of letting it go or seeking clarity on it, we put that tape recorder in the recorder, we press play, and we play it over and over and over again in our minds. Other times, we're not offended because of what someone said or did to us. We're offended because of what someone did or said to someone that we love. You know, we become so offended. What did you say about my dad? What did you call my mom? We get all so offended about it. We're either being offended or offending others. And it's important that this worldly culture doesn't influence the way that we respond to, uh, to offense. And so the first thing that I need you to know this morning is offense is a trap. Offense is a trap. Can I just say that I would be a fool to think that I would never, ever be offended in my lifetime. And I would be so surprised to meet anyone who had never been offended at least one time in their whole life. Because the truth is we are always getting offended. If we're not getting offended, we're the ones causing the offense, whether you realize it or not. And so I want us to have a really think about, really think about that. Like when you think about Jesus back in his day, Jesus is going around telling all of these people, hey, guys, just so you know, I'm actually the son of God. And the Bible says that that in itself was offensive. And so the religious leaders of the time and the people of their time were looking at you. They were so offended at the fact that Jesus is going around telling everybody, hey, if you want eternal life, you need to put your trust in me. You need to believe in me. But before we go uh, letting these religious leaders off the hook, Jesus does something extraordinary. He is not only shifting the culture with the word, but he starts to do the unthinkable. He starts to heal people. He starts to speak the word to the wind and the waves, and they listen to his command. He starts to feed thousands of people with little. He starts to raise the dead. In fact, he carried the cross, he died, and on the third day, he rose again. All of these things are supposed to show the people, uh, you know, that Jesus was who he really said that he was. But instead, they are so offended by him that they now start to cause offense. They go on and say things like, that ain't God. That's a demon. He's demon possessed. He's not the son of God. He didn't come back, you know, raise back to life on the, on the third day. The, the, the disciples stole his body. They are so offended by Jesus that they now go ahead and lay out offense so that no one else would believe in Jesus. They are trapped by offense. Offense is a trap. In the New Testament, Jesus says, 
It is impossible that no offences should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. And I did a bit of research on this, and I found that the Greek word here that Jesus uses for the word offences is the word scandalin. When you think about a mouse trap, scandalin is the part of the mouse trap that you put the bait or the cheese on. It's enticing, it's alluring, it's tempting, it's attracting. But when you take the bait, you then step onto scandalin and you become trapped. And as we all know, like, you know, every mouse that, you know, goes for the bait and they step into the trap, they eventually die. And it's the same with us. When we reach for the bait, when we step onto scandalin, we become trapped. And this ultimately leads to our destruction. I used to work for a bank years ago. And I remember one morning my boss called me and said, hey, you're going to have to manage the bank for today. My flight's been delayed. I'm not going to make it back in time. And so I'm like, yes, <laughs> this is the day. So I put on my bank blazer, put on, you know, my badges on fleek. I rock on over to the bank, open up all the workstations, give the team the brief. And then we open the doors and all of the customers come flooding in. And so then this particular individual walks on over. They hand me this withdrawal slip. They want to make a withdrawal from their account. And I'm looking at them. And then they proceeded to say to me, oh, so you got the job. And I'm like, what do you mean, so you got the job? You know, I'm so offended at this point. I am so mad. I'm stepping onto scandalin, And I'm mad and offended because I feel attacked. What do you mean, so you got the job? Do you not think I could get a job like this? Is it because of the color of my skin? Is it because of my demeanor? Or is it because I come across uneducated? What, like, what is it? I'm so offended. And so the brown in me at this point wanted to respond to them in a brown way and say, you know, I wanted to say to them, I, I managed this bank today and I have no issue shutting this whole thing down and letting everybody in here know that you've got $4.60 that you're wanting to withdraw. But I didn't do that. I stood there and I said in a polite manner, hey, yes, I applied for the job. I went through two job interviews. Uh, I had to go into town for a maths test. And then a week later, they called me and I got the job. And then I then added on to this. And I'm, because I'm so offended, I'm like, and I said, and just so you know, it had nothing to do with my color. And then at the end of it, this person looks to me and they're like, oh, okay, well, I was one of the 40 applicants who applied for this job, but I'm so glad to see that you got the job. Congratulations and well done. <laughs> So at this, at this point, I'm looking at them, I'm looking at them and I'm like, oh, what I thought was offense was actually not even offense at all. But because of the way I made it sound in my mind, the way I played that tape in my mind, I was so offended. And that's what the enemy wants of you. He wants you trapped. He wants you offended. You know, in the Bible, uh, yeah, he wants you trapped and he wants you offended. Because when you step right onto scandal and you become trapped. And that's the enemy's intention, to trap you so that you're not going to go anywhere else. You're not going to serve on the dream team. You're not going to join no small group. You're not going to go to no church. You're not going to go to your cousin's wedding. You're not going to go to your, your brother's birthday. They offended you. And that's exactly how this, the, the enemy operates. He wants to lure you in, take the bait, step onto scandalin, and become trapped. You don't go anywhere. In the Bible, a man by the name of Naaman uh, this guy, he was a leader, a commander of the king's army. He was an amazing man. He, lead, he led the armies to so, through so many victories. But the problem with this man was that he had a, a skin disease, like he had leprosy. And so he, he was encouraged to go and see this prophet because the prophet was going to heal him. So he went to tell the king, hey, king, let me go. The king let him go. Short, long story short, he rocks on up to the, to the prophet's house and he takes his, you know, his, uh, his chariots, 
his horses, his army, and they go on over and he goes and he stands outside the door of the prophet's house. And the prophet writes a letter and sends him this letter and says, go and dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River so that you may be healed of leprosy. And the Bible says at this point, this guy Naaman, he is angry. He is offended and he starts to say, you know, the least he could have done was come out here, look at me face to face and tell me what I'm supposed to do. Or at least come here, wave his hand over the leprosy, call out to his God and heal me. And are there not any other cleaner waters other than the Jordan River? He's so mad, so offended. He stepped onto Scandalin. And here's what happens. He doesn't want to be healed no more. He turns to walk away, but his soldiers come over and say to him, hey, Naaman, you know, like if they asked you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? Yet he's asking you to do the simple thing. You won't want to do it. Just go ahead and go dip yourself in the water. Can I just say, get some people around you who are not afraid to call you in on it when you're starting to get a bit offended. And, you know, get some people around you who will say, hey, you need to rein it in. You're getting a bit OT. And so then Naaman goes down to the water. He dips himself seven times in the water. And guess what? He becomes healed of the leprosy. Can you imagine what that would have been like? If he continued to hold on to his offense, he would have been trapped. He would have forfeited his God-given opportunity to be healed of leprosy. But that is what offense does. Offense causes you to forfeit your healing. Offense causes you to forfeit your breakthrough, to stifle your growth. And so then we begin to, we begin to uh, isolate ourselves. We put the cassette in, we play it over and over and over and over again. And we eventually start to, dis- uh, to destroy ourselves from the inside out. Don't fall for it because it's a trap. It's a trap, it's a trap, it's a trap. Offense is a trap. Here's the second thing you need to know this morning. Being offended is choosing to partner with a spirit that is not of God. Being offended is choosing to partner, come alignment with a spirit that is not of God. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and he sends messengers ahead of him to go into this place called Samaria. And here's the thing you need to know. Samaria and the Jews, they had a lot of conflict, religious conflict. They didn't get along. And so for Jesus to want to go to Jerusalem through Samaria is such an interesting, you know, thought. It was like Jesus was trying to teach his disciples, yes, I know there are a million other ways to get to Jerusalem, but I want to go through Samaria. I want to give these Samaritans an opportunity to hear the gospel. They can offend me from loving, uh, you know, all they want, but I want to give them an opportunity to receive salvation. They can hate on me all they want, but I'm going to still love on them. And so Jesus wants to go through Samaria. But now these messengers that Jesus had sent before him to go in there, they get to Samaria and the Samaritans are like, no, 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 no. Jesus is not welcome here. You can't come here. And so now these two disciples come back and here's what the Bible says about it. It's there in your notes, Luke 9, 54 to 56. And when his disciples, James and John saw this, they said, Lord, Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And so they went to another village. His disciples said to him, Jesus, just say one word and we'll call fire down from heaven to destroy all of these Samaritans. And Jesus is like, hold on, no, 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 no. What kind of a spirit is that? Because that ain't me. That's not what I'm about. Don't be offended for me. I'm not here to call down judgment to destroy the people. I'm here to save them. And so Jesus reminds them, son of man did not come to destroy the lives of men, but to save them. 
bless the disciples though, eh? Like for a split second though, they forgot who they were. They forgot that they were created in the image of God. They stepped onto scandal and stepped onto the offense and partnered with a completely different spirit. They thought that being like Jesus means you can just call fire down from heaven. They thought that uh, uh, showing the character of God meant that you can just, you know, destroy people. But Jesus corrects them and says, that's not what it is. That's not my heart. You are not reflecting me. You're not partnering with me. You're partnering with a completely different spirit because what I'm really about is mercy. And the disciples are saying, but Jesus, they offended you. Mercy. But they offended me. Mercy. But they're talking about me. Mercy. But they're lying on me and now I have to pay for it. Mercy. But they just killed my family member. Mercy. And man, that is so honor, like so hard, to be honest with you. Because the human in us sometimes just wants to avenge ourselves. But just like Paul says to the Romans, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If, you're, if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, when he's talking about heaping coals of fire on the enemy's head, he's, it's not literal. Uh, and some uh, theologies, uh, theologians and scholars, uh, they say that it's this idea of the burning conviction that your kindness, your love, your compassion, your forgiveness places on the enemy. A theologian by the name of Adam Clark, he puts it this way, following Jesus means being merciful to others instead of being harsh with them. And so how do we handle offense then? How do we respond to offense? We forgive. And as easy as that sounds, it's easier said than done. And so you need to know up front this morning that forgiveness don't change the facts. Just because you forgive, it doesn't mean you didn't get offended. Forgiveness doesn't rewrite past or change history. Just because you forgive, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen to you. Forgiveness doesn't mean that it erases the pain. Just because you forgive, it don't mean that you're not going to feel the pain or hurt no more. But forgiveness is saying, you know what? I'm changing my heart attitude toward the person who offended me. And it's no wonder Paul says to the church in Ephesians, hey, be kind to one another. <laughs> be tenderhearted. Be forgiving of one another. And even as God and Christ forgave you. He goes on to say to the Colossians, bear with one another. Forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. Paul is saying, every person that has accepted Jesus for their salvation has been forgiven of their sins. Therefore, as a result, we ought to be quick to forgive. It means I'm not holding on to offense no more. But my heart attitude is changed because I realize that I too needed forgiveness. And even Jesus himself, when teaching his disciples to pray, he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You see, offense is going to trap you but forgiveness is going to free you. Being offended is partnering with the spirit that is not of God, but choosing to forgive is to pattern yourself after the forgiveness of Jesus towards us. 
What better way to shift culture? Amen. What better way to counteract the culture of this world and pattern ourselves after kingdom culture than to forgive? And so here's where I need to land the plane this morning if Rani could join me on the keys. And this is going to get a bit, you know, quite a bit mushy or a bit cringy for some of you. And so if you can just hang in there and just really hear the heart of what I'm trying to say this morning. Forgiveness releases you from the trap of offense. But sometimes it's so hard to extend forgiveness because extending forgiveness means that we have to move on. And sometimes it can be really hard to move on because we're still waiting for an apology that may never come. We're longing for the apology that, to be quite honest with you, we might never, ever hear. And here's the thing. God wants for you to move on so much, but he don't want you to move on, move on without being healed first. And so right now, I would like to take a moment to apologize to you on behalf of the offender. I am truly sorry. I am truly sorry. I am sorry for everything and every person who has ever hurt you or offended you. I'm sorry for every single person who didn't show up for you when you needed them the most. I'm sorry for every single bit of racism that you experienced. I'm sorry for the sexual abuse that you had to endure. I'm sorry for the verbal abuse that you had to listen to all those years. I'm sorry that they left you and abandoned you, man. I'm sorry that he wasn't man enough to tell you why he walked away. I'm sorry that she didn't have it in her to tell you why she chose to walk away. I'm sorry that they abandoned you and left you at such a young age to fend for yourself. I'm sorry that you had to drop out of school early just to take care of your younger siblings. I'm sorry that they had to let you go. I'm sorry that they didn't choose you. I'm sorry that they didn't give you a chance. I'm sorry for every single hurtful thing that was ever said about you behind your back. I am truly sorry. I am truly sorry. But here's what I want to ask of you this morning. Will you forgive them for what they did to you by giving your pain, giving your hurt, and giving your offense to God? Can you invite God into this area so that he can free you from all the moments where you've been offended and hurt? Because holding on to that offense, holding on to that hurt is only going to ruin your future. So make the decision right now not to live another day stifled by the poison of offense. Choose to release it over to God. Choose not to be bound and enslaved by offense. Choose forgiveness. And if you're anything like me, you'd probably be saying, but it's not fair. And here's where it's going to get really challenging. 
Because you see, the truth is, it wasn't fair for Jesus to bear the cost of your shortcomings and my shortcomings. It wasn't fair for Jesus to pay the price for your offense and my offense. It wasn't fair for Jesus to pay the price for your sin and my sin. It wasn't fair for Jesus to forgive you and forgive me. But he did. Jesus chose forgiveness. He forgave you. He forgave me. Even when we couldn't forgive ourselves. And so he sets for us the perfect example of how we can release ourselves from the bondage of scandal, from the bondage of offense. We forgive. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, let me pray. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice, O oh God, who has been hurt or offended in some way. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would heal them right down to the depths of their innermost being, God, where they are hurt and feeling offended. God, I pray that you would heal them. I pray, God, that we would be a people who would bring offense and bring hurt to you, O oh God. And so I pray, Lord, that as we do, God, that your peace, that your love, your forgiveness, your mercy, your compassion, and your freedom would rest on us. We thank you, Lord, and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.